Good morning, church. Now, um, we've missed out on some of our notices, but there's, as you can tell, there is lots going on in our, in our church, more than enough, actually. Um, you know, with the land and, the, you know, that doesn't stop with our personal lives either. Um, the enemy doesn't rest, but thankfully our God is greater and stronger and faithful beyond the grave. And, and uh, I haven't been exempt from this either, as I know you guys haven't as well. Um, uh, Zana's sick this morning, and so is Henry and that aren't, aren't here this morning. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been a very tough uh, time for me. Yesterday, I, I heard some really challenging news. Um, my uh, grandmother of 91 years uh, suddenly passed away. Um, Ruth Raggett was a, a very faithful Christian woman. Um, a mother of four, including my mum, uh, a nurse as well as a pastor among the second wave of female pastors in the Uniting Church based over in Victoria. Um, she, along with her husband, Max, had a huge impression on me um, and were an inspiration um, for partly why I'm here in this role. Um, uh, but she's joined Max and is now with the Lord. Uh, free from her deteriorating body and mind, having lived and served a life full of love. So it's with a heavy heart uh, that I'm here this morning. But I really wanted to be here to preach the good news as she did. And there's no mistake that this morning I'm speaking on uh, being part of a loving, godly community. Because that was central in Ruth's life. It's central for me, and I couldn't be here without it. And as we've heard from, from Jen and from Joey, how central a community of faith in supporting us and helping us stick to our faith is. It's just unbelievably central. And so I'm keen to, to speak about that this morning. This is actually our last sermon in the Acts series. We've been going on for, it, uh, for a couple of months now. We had a little break as we uh, spoke about mission and crossing the street. But I really hope that this has been an encouraging journey. I really hope you've been reading through Acts as, uh, as I did it right at the very start of this series. And we started with Nick speaking on the ascension of Jesus. Um, and we really followed through with that statement that's found, found there, to be witnesses in Jerusalem, to Judea and Samaria. And last week with Joel, we really picked up on, in Athens on its way to the ends of the earth. And if we fast forward to the end of Acts, we'll see here in Acts 28, it says this, we find Paul in Rome. It says, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all those who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Now, I find this actually quite ironic uh, because Jesus, um, you know, struggled and Paul, you know, is converted and is really, really faithful and, you know, there's all power there. But without, without hindrance, Paul was under house arrest. <laughs> See, there was, a, there was a Roman centurion stationed outside of his house. He wasn't allowed to leave. But without hindrance, the gospel was proclaimed in his house and people came to see him. We should not be surprised, however, because as we heard from our Bible verses just before, homes and the small groups that meet in them have always been a central part of the church and actually all the way through the Old Testament, but I don't have time to cover that this morning. 
So I'm going to be ending uh, this series by looking at a church that loves godly community. As I said, one of our Bible readings uh, comes from the start of Acts. We've had the end, now we're going to have the start. Uh, Let's start with uh, just the verse uh, 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. So right from the beginning, this is right after Peter at Pentecost gives his gigantic speech, which goes for incredibly long, by the way. So, you know, if you feel like my sermon's too long, I mean, let's not go back to that time. (laughs) Um, But this was their response to that. As they gave their lives to Christ and were baptized, they entered into this community. And their gatherings had central to them, had teaching, this is the apostles' teaching, had fellowship, had communion, the breaking of bread, and prayer. So remember those for the moment. We'll come back to them. They're important. And if we continue with verses 46 and 47, it says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. So you can also see from these verses that right from the beginning, their gatherings had communion. Yes, it's it's so important it's mentioned twice, both in the, within a couple of verses of each other. But they also had joyful, genuine hospitality. So they ate together with glad tidings. This is the hospitality that they were known for. And they worshipped God together, both in the temple courts and in their homes. So let's remember that. That'll be important later to come. So where, how often did they meet, though? Every day. Now, I don't know about you, but this passage is incredibly challenging, is it not? When we read Acts, sometimes we ask ourselves as we kind of go through, is, are we meant to follow exactly what they did? You know, if we did that in all circumstances throughout Acts, we would be, you know, casting sticks and drawing lots for who's our, who's our pastor. <laughs> so maybe not in all circumstances. Um, However, I think the answer in this passage is actually quite clear. We need to have the same heart for godly community. The same heart. Our Sunday gatherings are kind of equivalent for their temple gatherings. And so, what is our equivalent to those who meet in their homes? I would say for us in this church, our space for that is life groups. There's also other spaces, which I'll get into later. When I was preparing uh, for this sermon for our direction as a church, uh, this quote from John Ferguson in his book, Reproducing Biblical Community, really got to me. He says this, Another popular word that characterizes the kind of community people long for is the word connect. The first church community was unequivocally and tightly connected to one another and to God. So connected, the Bible said that they were together every day. Every day they continued to meet together. In our fast-paced, fragmented lifestyles, the very thought of connecting daily seems absurd. It seems absurd. Most people in our, com- in our communities and churches would think, you've got to be nuts. Celebration services once a week and maybe small group meetings once every week or maybe once every other week. Uh, <laughs> that's already a stretch. Yet you want us to connect every day? Not a chance. But this kind of regular, even daily interaction 
or was one of the dominant characteristics of this attractive community in the early church. Randy Fries refers to this concept as their frequency. He writes that if people are not willing to restructure their lives and their time to get at the heart of this characteristic of frequency, and trust me, it can be done, the experience of true community, true Christian godly community, will continue to elude them. Unless we make these changes, we will never have the kind of community the First Church of Jerusalem had. And we should stop pretending that we do. Does that not like hit us in our busy Western lives here in Australia? I really want us to hear that this morning. So easily we can fool ourselves into thinking that we don't need this or that we can't do this type of Christian community. Maybe sometimes we feel, we feel like we just can't deal with that today. Maybe we're too tired from work or raising our families. Or maybe that we're too introverted. We might think that we maybe don't need a life group. Or maybe that we don't need to come to Sunday gathering. Or maybe that we don't need to be a part of a community to be a Christian. Our challenges today are different to theirs back then. You know, we don't have the Roman Empire over us. But I believe the difficulty is actually the same. Are we going to give our whole lives over to Jesus? Because that's what we proclaim when we are baptized. Our whole lives for Jesus. And for the early church, this is how that looked. And we could learn a lot from them. I just want to continue. Later on, actually, Hebrews was written way after Acts, actually. The writer says this, Let us consider how we may spur one another onwards towards love and good deeds, not giving up on meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see of the day approaching. I'm not going to go into the concept of the day. You can go read Hebrews and uh, other aspects for that. But the note from here, which is really important, is that they actually continued this. Right? It wasn't just the early church in Jerusalem. As that spread beyond, as they kind of went all over the, the Roman world, they continued this same pattern of meeting together. And the writer of Hebrews here is encouraging them, the, the church, to not give up, as some were doing. The church was reminded to remember the significance of meeting together as a core way of encouraging one another in the life of faith and love and good deeds. And good deeds, pardon me. Let this also be an encouragement to us this morning. For those of us who are already in life groups, don't give up. And this is why this is the first Bible verse that was read this morning. In John 13, a new commandment I give you, says Jesus. Love one another as I has loved you, so that you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. The church in Acts and beyond met how they did because they got this command. They understood it and they embodied it. And this was a commandment of Jesus, that we be known by how we love one another. And this love is completely bound up in meeting with another, one another, physically, practically. This is something that is seen. 
Yeah? And Jesus modeled this. He spent significant time with, this, with his disciples outside of the service and ministry that's recorded in our Gospels. He said he spent time with them. He ate with them. And it wasn't just the 12. It was with all of his followers. Remember, he sent out the 40 multiple times. He spent time with all types of people. He was supported by wealthy women. He spent time with people beyond his ministry. And so we as his disciples should do likewise. This brings me to what about us? Joel said last week, you can't love what or who you don't know. So I want to ask us, how well do we know one another? We are a relatively small congregation, you know, probably a hundred people. How well do we know one another? How well do we love one another? It'd be very difficult to be known by how we love one another if most of us weren't meeting beyond our Sunday gathering. And that's just true. And with all that's happening in our church at the moment, there's so much, and in our personal lives, shouldn't it be more important right now to love one another and meet together beyond here on Sunday? And as we're meeting here in Littlehampton, we don't have a building at the moment, which has been our kind of meeting point, our central focus. So wouldn't that also be a challenge? Now, I don't want to put anybody on the spot, but we've had some visitors since we've moved here to Littlehampton. And as a church, have we extended love to them? I really hope so. <laughs> I think I, I've tried to model that as best as I can. But I am not the church. As I say almost every time when I lead, we are the body of Christ. We are the church. So we should know each other. The other part of, uh, of this commandment is, is that to be known by how we love each other, as I said, it has to be seen. This is not secret gatherings as some might be into. This is public. And we need to be sharing and inviting others to join these spaces. So not only should we need to be meeting beyond the Sunday, but we also need to be inviting and talking about it with others. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm trying to be realistic, guys. This is a key point for us because we're going to talk about life groups. This is what, what we do in this church. Life groups, sometimes known as small groups or home groups, are an essential part of the life and ministry of our church. And up until recently, life groups kind of happened sporadically as people kind of, you know, wanted to, which was great. I really liked the initiatives of our members, but it didn't really have much support from the church leadership. Currently, we only have five running life groups in our church and one just getting started. And they contain, in terms of number of people, less than half of our regular members and attendees. Less than 45% in actual, when I, when I did the numbers. And in our church's five-year vision plan, if you remember, this was at the start of the year, um, we said that life groups played an important role in our short-term vision and goals. It said this, we need to research home groups and life groups, as we've decided to call them, and target people for an encouragement to join or start a group. We want 90% of attendees in home groups. 
Our goal for that was three months. <laughs> so we've kind of missed that. <laughs> There's been lots going on. That's okay. But it also said this, our growth in spiritual health as a church community is central. As well as building bonds within our church community, we need to stay focused on God. Is that not true at the moment when there's so much going on? So many people are sick. Uh, so many people are struggling. I'm struggling. I need God central. We cannot live that out if it doesn't go beyond our Sunday. So to fulfill this part of the vision, it was put under my new role, which you hopefully read. I don't know if people did. Um, as, uh, as life groups, it's kind of within my associate role. And we've made a plan. It's actually on this chair. It's a four-page document. You can take it home if you want. It will eventually be emailed. Um, I did read it this morning, and I found a typo. Oh. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Um, and of course, I've, I've, hopefully, I think I have spoken to all of our existing home groups, um, and they can make up their own mind of how they want to go around that. But I would just pray that our church would support this direction if we listen to the calling of Acts and, and our scriptures, that this is just so important. We need to look at growing this aspect of our church. And it might be helpful to share what exactly I mean by life groups, um, because they can kind of be a vague term, right? What I mean is life groups are just simply small groups of our church family meeting together with a godly purpose. Yeah, small groups can be, you know, friends. It could be around a hobby. I play D&D. That might be a small group of people. But a life group is one which meets together with the purpose of being part of our church and centered on Jesus. And this is out of a response which the Acts Church really got, to give all of our lives to Jesus, all of my life to Jesus within community. It does also help that Life Groups is the same name as Hills Baptists, which we are discerning with. But this plan is hopefully going to be in place for a year. We'll see how we go. We'll review it as we kind of do. But it comes with a lot of backing from historical church right back from Acts, but also in our modern times. Ed Stazer in Planting Missional Churches says this, a life group ministry or a small group ministry is essential to the health of any church. Any healthy church with more than 50 in attendance must develop a network of multiplying small groups, which can take on many different forms, but accomplish the one objective of binding the church together. And so some of those key aspects, which I've kind of got up there, is life groups are for God. It's not just about friends and stuff like that. That stuff is great. We'll get to that in a bit. But church gatherings need to be beyond our service. We need to be praising God together. We need to be hearing the word through Bible reading, participating in prayer. God should be central to all of these things, particularly as we meet together. And actually, we put legs, we put flesh. We actually start walking and moving in our faith in our everyday lives. Our faith is real. My faith has made a huge difference in my life. Made a huge difference in my, difference in my grandma's life about how she lived and worked. Our faith makes a difference. It's not just the belief which we have arbitrarily in our heads. Second of all, life groups are an extension of our church. They're related to the life and direction of our church. Life groups lend themselves perfectly towards a growth in discipleship. This is from Jeffrey Arnold and Stephanie Black on their um, big book on small groups. It says this, um, 
People learn best when they're part of a caring and committed community. That is, they grow in understanding and obedience when they experience things together with other learners, when they're held accountable to one another and the church for continued growth, where they are affirmed and loved, where they are part of a structure that allows for and reinforces growth towards Jesus. Good life groups can provide each of these things and much more by allowing people to learn through both affirmation and challenge. In a life group, people meet regularly with committed fellow disciples and they learn together both formally and informally. Doesn't that just sound great? Life groups are, of course, for our members. Now, I want to encourage our regular attendees, if you're not members... Membership is great. It's a good part of our Baptist uh, idea of, uh, of who we are. It's part of our, our constitution. It's part of who we are. It's part of how we do congregational governance as we have a meeting next week. That's how we vote, <laughs> um, how we hear the direction of the church. Um, so I encourage you, if you're not a member, to be part of that. But as I said before, life groups are, are, are a great tool for discipleship. And as a core part of our church, we should be really helping each member discern how to follow Jesus with their own lives more deeply. Getting down to the details and the small things as well as the great big things. As we all should be moving forward towards Christ. Life groups meet so many needs for members. You know, worship, celebration, connection and fellowship, discussion and sharing, encouragement and equipping, pastoral care, participation, contribution. Is that not what it means to be a member of our church? To share in the life of Jesus as part of his body? Even the illustration found as being part of Jesus' body, they're interlinked so that it's so hard you can't remove a finger and say we don't need it. And encourage us that we should be a part of these things. Life groups also really help us in this space to identify needs. It helps us so we know for our members that nothing is being missed. If something's kind of going wrong, sometimes our, 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 our feeling is to hide from that. But if we're a part of a life group, if we're a part of a community, we can be helped together. We can be referred to our pastoral care team, our elders, our pastors, and even beyond more specialized help. And this is because we really don't want anyone to fall through the cracks at our church. We love everyone and we want them all to be heard and cared for. This is going to help us do that. The other thing that life groups are for, they're for new people within our community. This needs to be a key aspect of our church. We like to think of ourselves as a welcoming community. And so I want to encourage us to be welcoming new people into our life groups, into our community more intentionally. This should also help integrate newcomers into the life of our church and help them experience the fullness of Christian community. So we've got some guidelines because sometimes we feel, man, life groups are really, really hard. It's just another thing. You know, it goes for four hours and I get really tired. Um, I don't think that's what life groups need to be. We can actually be very intentional. And so I've, got, I've made some guidelines. It's more, there's more here. but um, We'll be supporting life groups with material related to the direction and teaching that we have every Sunday because our sermons, I really hope, are a gift to you as a community. Every week we get awesome, God-breathed preaching that is hopefully speaking to a need amongst us. 
that sometimes, if you heard Nick two weeks ago, we have a, not a Holy Spirit-given gift, but a gift in the West to forget what we spoke about last week almost immediately as we leave. <laughs> to help us wrestle with some of this type of things, we're going to be reminding us about our sermons, asking us to speak aloud the Bible verses used. We're going to be sharing questions to promote discussion and integration and figuring out how that all works together. And we'll also be sharing, you know, our callings, our action points to find out if we can put legs on that, what it means for our lives. And of course, our groups can feel free to do their own thing and often will be encouraged to do so as each group needs to find its own way of operating and giving glory to Christ as part of the church. We spoke about frequency earlier. It's going to be a challenge to meet every day. <laughs> but life groups could meet I would encourage you to meet weekly or at least fortnightly. And when we add in our prayer meetings, our gatherings with other people, our mentoring, our caring, I think we can get there to every day, particularly if we're part of other Christian communities around us. The school would be a great one, as we've heard in lots of different places. And I reckon there's a format which I've put up here um, which kind of help us. It can be done in 90 minutes. Our small group does it in 90 as well. I encourage you guys to think about these things, to have um, 15 minutes. You could do arrival, welcome, hospitality, fellowship, connection and integration. It's pretty doable. And then I encourage us, this is one thing which our group really struggles with, um, but to do 10 minutes of worship. It should be really natural for us to praise our God. And then the central part, we could do 50 minutes of our teaching content, including, you know, reminder of the sermons, Bible reading, questions, discussion, sharing, encouragement, equipping, participation, all these types of things I can go on. And then to finish, it'd be great to have 15 minutes of intentional prayer. That makes up 90. It's not, I feel, I really do. It's not that hard to ask, guys. The other thing is, There'll be fellowship all around that beforehand, afterwards. You don't have to do that 90 minutes. And I know often we, you know, we love talking with one another. We love meeting. And that's great. I want to encourage that. And I hope that these things which I've mentioned, they, they should sound familiar. They shouldn't be new to us. In fact, these are actually the things that the early church in Acts did. And I asked you to remember them. Remember, there was fellowship, hospitality, worship, teaching, and prayer. What was the one which was mentioned twice? Just a quick little test. The breaking of bread. Thanks, Andy. Communion. At the moment here, because of what's happening in this building, we're only having communion once a month. Wouldn't it be great if we had communion in our life groups? Wouldn't that be a sense of joy? I think sometimes within the Baptist church, we kind of forget about communion. Oh, it's just the thing to be done. It's a celebration of our new covenant with Jesus. I'm also going to ask that every life group has a host, someone who organizes where they are, hospitality, those types of things, as well as a leader. And they, are, they have role descriptions, which are also available down here. And they are accountable within our church um, guidelines, which is quite important as we move forward. And finally, I want to ask that our life groups be governed by the principles of grace, peace, truth, and most importantly, as we've had said, love perfected in Jesus. 
So I really want to encourage us as I bring us together that this is a call to action. This is not a sermon that we won't see results from, I hope. Because if we come back again in you know, four months and we're still at 45% of us not meeting beyond a Sunday, I would feel pretty gutted, I have to, I'd have to admit. I would feel struggling that we're maybe actually not embodying a loving community. And so I want to call us, our current life groups, don't give up on meeting together as we had read in Hebrews. Be encouraged. This is central to your life of faith and love and inspires you towards good deeds. To our regular members and non-members who are around who aren't in a life group, I encourage you, come talk to me. I'd love, love to have that uh, want of participation. If you are inspired to potentially be a host or a leader, come talk to me. I know that I'm going to put Nick on the spot here. Nick's going to be one of our leaders or hosts as God wills um, <laughs> in this time. And so we've already got one. <laughs> and for those who are new here, I want to welcome you and I want to invite you into our loving community. Hopefully that would extend to life groups. But also, because we haven't done one, I think we were talking to Yvonne, I think in a couple of years, we're going to have a newcomer's afternoon tea on the 28th of August. So it's in like four-ish weeks, I think. I'm not good with dates. But the 28th of August, um, it's going to be at the Church of Christ and it'll start at 3 p.m. And we're going to be encouraging those of you who are new amongst us to come and meet more intentionally with uh, our church leaders, with myself, um, with some other people um, as well, and really invite you into this community and welcome you as I hope you would feel welcomed. So yeah, there's a lot there. <laughs> so maybe as I finish, let's, uh, let's pray these, this prayer. Lord, together... May we as Christ's disciples take on Jesus' command to be known by how we love one another. May we capture the heart of this early church in Acts and meet together because we, the people of Mount Barker Baptist Church, are truly a church that loves godly community. May we embody what it means to follow you with all of our lives. Amen.